Hello and welcome back. In this episode, we get to know Danielle, who I connected with through Instagram. We talk about forgiveness, inner child healing, and how you can launch your business as an experienced spiritual coach, even if you haven't had any clients. This episode is filled with so many gems, so I hope you enjoy it and let's get into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Vibe Talk Awaken. I am your host, Vibe Queen. Before we get into this week's episode, if you are a spiritual coach and you have considered starting a podcast, but you're a little overwhelmed, you don't know where to start, you don't know what steps to take, I have an amazing program that can help you launch your podcast from beginning to end. I've helped a handful of people launch on iTunes. It is a very easy formula. You can get there in about 30 days. So if it's something you are interested in, you can reach out to me and I can help you get there. So without further ado, we're going to get into this week's episode. I'm so excited to go down the rabbit hole with another spiritual coach, which is Danielle Sabatini. Hopefully I said her name correctly. And she is an educator, mindset, and self-love coach who helps you shift old beliefs to love yourself, ultimately bringing you more inner peace and happiness, which is just, I love that, all the things. So welcome, Danielle. How are you feeling today? Hey, Tamisha, thank you so much. As you can see, my smile is from ear to ear. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm so grateful to just be part of this episode with you today. I am feeling amazing. <laughs> good, 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 good. I'm so glad. And uh, before we we go down the rabbit hole of, of just what got you on the path of what you do today, I always like to start from the very, very beginning. And uh, as the name of my podcast suggests, Vibe Talk Awaken, what got you on this spiritual path? What was the beginning point of your spiritual awakening? Thank you so much for that. I really love that. Yeah. So, um, you know, over the years, I grew up in a really, you know, relaxed upbringing where, you know, I had expectations that were meant out for me and I needed to go to school, find a job and then start my career path. And those beliefs that I was conditioned with, you know, they only served its purpose for so long. I got to a certain point in my life where I got the job, I started out in my career, and all of those things kept trickling off off my list, and I was able to achieve them. And after I achieved a certain amount of milestones, I realized that there was this like missing part in my body and this um, like stuck feeling that I just felt so empty. You know, I finished a year of teaching and I had this pit in my body where I just felt empty. Something like there was something missing. And um, I had a lot of really awesome experiences in my first year of teaching. But then, you know, as I quickly finished all of those and checked them off my list, you know, and within that year, there was a lot of heartbreak as well as with, with guys. And then also with my dog passing away. So there was a lot of good and then a lot of things that came to an end really quickly. So a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And at that point in in my life, it was summertime, it was about two years ago, I sat in my backyard and I was reflecting and I thought about, you know, what do I really want for my life and what beliefs were I, were I, was I raised with and were they really mine? So I had a lot of, you know, questions. And so I started to question things in my reality and I started to question a lot of my choices and I started to question whether they were really mine. And at that point, I had just come back from Greece with a girlfriend of mine and it was just such a mind-blowing experience because I'd never lived outside of Canada for longer than two weeks. And, you know, I went on this trip for three weeks and, um, you know, it was just an extra week, but really just allowing myself to be immersed in an environment other than my own. So I was able to just recondition myself in a different environment. And I started to realize that I could have a lifestyle outside of where I'm living and I could try and challenge my own ex existing beliefs and try to do something that's unfamiliar to me, move outside of my comfort zone. And, you know, I started to realize that maybe I do want to start living life on the other side, meaning that I wanted to travel and I wanted to just see if I could do something on my own without being, without living with under my parents' umbrella. And a lot of the times, you know, we grow up conditioned to be obedient and we grow up conditioned to, you know, feel guilt or shame when we're not meeting our parents' expectations. And I felt that that was true for me. And um, I, you know, I go a lot about into this around inner child healing and all of that. But the minute that I decided that I was going to live for me and not for my parents, I made the decision to move away to Australia. And that's when my spiritual awakening opened up. I was able to, you know, just really do things for me and wake up every single day living on my own. I moved there solo. 
Um, I lived with a roommate and I was able to just, you know, reconnect to myself and rebuild that relationship with myself. And so that's where it started, my own healing. And then now I start doing that for my client because I lived the transformation firsthand. So yeah, it was pretty transformational. Still going through it. I always say that um, spiritual awakening and a spiritual journey and your self-development is a lifelong process. But that's where it opened up the doors for me. Beautiful. So what made you pick Australia? Um, well, <laughs> funny you should say, I actually had a few friends that went to teacher's college there and they inspired me to go. But I was, um, you know, there was this guy that I met in Greece that had lived in Australia and I had all of these like little, I would say, signs from the universe that were kind of leading me to that point. So I had friends and then I met a guy and then when I came back to Canada, um, I just found all of these signs I asking myself, you know, should I go to Australia? Is that the place for me? I started to see signs leading me to go to Australia everywhere I went in my Uber. I had, um, there was somebody in the passenger seat in my Uber. I was going downtown somewhere in Toronto and the person in the front seat was like, oh, I had just come back from Australia. I lived there for five years. Wow, that's a sign. I I have a pool in my backyard and we like all of these fun edible floaties. Um, So I have cherries or we had, um, we used to have like hot dog and all these other like fun little floaties in our backyard. And I looked one day when I was outside in my two pool floaties, they were cherries. It said Sunnyside, Australia. So just like small little things like that Mm -hmm. just really stuck out (laughs) to me. And um, obviously I was um, at a yoga studio again. One time, this is the same, the same summer. I went and I met up with a old friend. We, we, we met and she you know, she's like, I haven't seen you in so long. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking about going to Australia. She's like, no way. I went to Australia for four months and I did a working holiday visa. So a lot of little things just kind of led me to, to go and pinpoint that, um, that location, but more so than ever, I really wanted to find a country that was opposite from Canada, their opposite time zones, opposite climate. And I wanted to leave the Canadian winters and Australia was a perfect place for that. Amazing. How long were you there for? I was there for seven months um, and I would have extended my trip a little bit longer, but lo and behold, the pandemic hit. So (laughs) I do plan on going back there. So I'm excited just to, you know, rekindle with some old friends and also just enjoy the beach life. It's a really calming environment there and everyone's so friendly. So very different. Amazing. So what was the biggest shift for you once you got to Australia, you started that healing journey. What was the biggest shift that I guess got you on the path to where you are today? So I always, even with my, you know, with my own page as well, I'm really a true believer in journaling and I was able to reconnect with myself and my thoughts. Specifically, when you're in a, a different country, you don't know their norms, you don't know their culture, you don't have any friends. So the only friend I had was my roommate and I met her the day when she came to come pick me up at the airport. So I didn't really know her. Um, And so I had to kind of get out of my head a little bit. And I was, you know, the the beginning way for me was to start journaling. And so once I started journaling, I was able to connect with myself and figure out what it is that I truly wanted to do and truly what how I was feeling. So, you know, connecting with myself on paper and really subconsciously embedding that in my mind, reading it back to myself. And I always do that. We read back my notes. Um, You just really internalize some of the things that are in your head. Because we do have so many thoughts going on in our head. And when you just extract them, put them up down on paper and reread them, they're transformative. And so I started with journaling. And um, I'm a huge believer in connecting with nature. And I started with, obviously, Australia is so beautiful. So I had long walks along the beach. And that in itself allowed me to, again, reconnect with myself. Because for me, I'm a huge fan of talking to myself. Some people may say it's crazy, but I need to process my thoughts while I'm saying them out loud. And then I listen to them. So I would start with journaling, I would go on long walks and talk to myself. And then I started to get out of my head by meditating and by practicing yoga. And so a lot of the the times um, in our healing journey, you know, we think that we may not be capable to do something because we think a thought and it's make-believe. So we're creating these falsified thoughts in our head. And when you act on them, you're really just staying in your head. So, you know, getting your getting out of the chaos in your mind through meditation, through yoga, it really allows you to practice mindfulness and practice present moment awareness. And that's truly what I was able to do. Um, and, you know, the number one reason why I was able to do that was because I was alone and I didn't have other belief systems, other expectations around me. I had my soul 
like personality just driving my thoughts and actions and behaviors I got to ask myself what do I want to do today you know do mm-hmm. I want to do right. instead of being influenced yeah. so that was crucial and not everyone will have the life-changing experience to move, remove themselves from their environment and move away, but they can embed these tools in their life. And so that's what I find is transformational. Yeah, that's that's pretty powerful. I know that was very similar for me is the alone time. So, yes. so what was that like for your, I guess, your, your friends and, and family uh, in Toronto when you said, I'm going to move to Australia? Were they very loving and accepting or was there some pushback? Can you share what, what that was like and how you were able to navigate that? Of course. Um, so with my friends, they were really excited. And, you know, I have a really great support system, a re- really great group of friends. And especially my brother, Michael, he, you know, everyone always says that we're twins, but we're not. We look the same, but he's my rock. And so he was somebody that I could just, you know, go through all of the motions of what I wanted to do, the pushback that I might get with, from our parents, because we did live in the same household. And you know, they're Italian hardcore parents that wa- want success for their children, and they really just want us to succeed. And so the only pushback I really received was from my parents. And so it took me quite a bit of time to tell them. I didn't tell them until a month before I was leaving. And I hid this, I hid it from them because of the, sh- the sh- uh, shame and guilt that I knew I was going to receive, which I did receive. Um, and, you know, I always... I forgive them for that now. And at the end of the day, you realize, and I, I learned this on my healing journey too, that your parents are doing the best that they can with the resources that they have. And when I learned that, and when I accepted that, I was able to forgive them. And that in itself, I think is truly powerful because when you realize that your parents did so much for you and did as much as they could with the resources that they had at the time, they're still learning as well. So they're learning through through their children. And I I find gratitude in that as well, just allowing that, um, allowing the experience to be forgiven and not to hold any more grudges. So truly just accepting my parents and accepting um, everything that they did for me. So yes, it was, it was hard. Um, it was hard not telling them. It was hard keeping a secret. It was hard to you know receive that pushback from them but at the end of the day I was able to truly find a deeper connection with them because I could fully speak my truth instead of hiding things all the time and that's something that I was notorious for always hiding my feelings and feeling shameful for expressing them and so that's you know also what led me into my healing journey and then led me into creating this program because hiding in the dark and hiding what you feel to feel shame shamed for it is not living the truth. It's not living your true authenticity. It's you hiding who you really are because you're fearful of of judgment from your family, from your friends, and any other exterior person that's on the outside of you. And I decided one day that that's not the way that I want to live my life. I want to live with, you know, true authenticity from who I really am. And if I'm going to get pushed back, so be it. That's, Mm -hmm. that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's interesting because, you know, you can you can substitute that with your parents or with your friends or if you're married or, you know, whatever situation you're in, once you realize this situation is no longer for me, you make that decision, you have to you have to do what's best for you. And something I've learned on my journey is that forgiveness is a solo conversation. Mm-hmm. You don't even necessarily need to include the other person, right? Holding that grudge is really just toxic for you. And that's something I had to learn on my journey as well. It's like, okay, even if you forgive something, expecting something from them, that's not true forgiveness. So you don't, the other person doesn't even need to be involved with that process. So that's incredibly powerful. So I think that's amazing that you were able to do that for your parents and recognize that they were doing the best they can at their level of consciousness. So that's, that's great. Amen. Like, let me speak into my soul. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And something to consider is that, you know, parents may never come around, you know. So Mm -hmm. for those listening to this episode, you know, they may feel a little bit of, uh, you know, cynical or like, yeah, but my parents are not going to come around, you know, like I did my thing and they're still shaming me or they're still guilting me because I dropped out of college or I didn't become that doctor or lawyer. You know, I know I have some people, they're very successful in their business and their parents are not, quote unquote, proud of them because they didn't follow the path that they wanted them to follow. And it's like you get to a point where you have to just be OK with the fact that, you know, maybe they won't come around. 
So I would love to hear if you have any words on that. Like what if somebody has a situation where they would want that friend or that parent to come around and they just, they're, they're, they're kind of stuck or they're stubborn. What would you uh, recommend that person do? Um, would you just love them from a distance or I'm curious to hear your, your point of view on that? Yeah, no, thank you for that. I definitely, um, I, I love what you said about, you know, true forgiveness is, it's not true forgiveness unless you are kind of on that solo journey and you're accepting people from afar. And I believe that when you want something for your life, you are the driving force. You are the one that's going to make it happen. And you have your parents, you'll have your friends, your teachers, and anyone else that's in your environment supporting you and maybe encouraging you maybe to um, like guide you along a different path. But ultimately, you're choosing something that's going to be best serving for you. And so you're going to have an audience that might not support what you're doing. And if you put, you have to really ask yourself, what are you using your energy for? So if you're using your energy to convince other people that what you're doing is okay, then you're not fully invested in yourself. But if you're convincing yourself that what you're doing is amazing, everything else will flow. I think accepting that other people might not accept you is a what is reality. And the more that you put your energy into trying to force other people to like you, the more you might get a the more you're going to follow down this routine and this cycle of meeting those people's needs and expectations versus your own. Mm-hmm. So I always say, you know, especially with forgiveness, you forgive from a distance and you might not agree with them, but accepting the fact that they have a different viewpoint than your own is going to kind of keep you sane. And we all have a different level of awareness than, you know, our parents or our friends. And we have a different model of the world. That's what we say in NLP. And accepting that is just going to keep you sane. It's going to allow you to move forward. Um, You know, we kind of come through life and we're here to spread our truth and to connect with people. But I do not necessarily agree with forcing other beliefs or opinions upon people because we all have our own opinions and our own view of the world. And what you see is right, maybe something different than what I see is right. So um, it's really just forgiving from afar and accepting that we will have our own different viewpoints. And I think that's okay. Yeah, very true. So something I really want to want to talk about and highlight, um, and I notice because this happened to me, is that once you're on the spiritual path, very often, um, especially if you've worked with a coach at some point, there there comes this moment where you feel inspired to want to help other people, right? And so whether it's to become a meditation teacher or a business coach like myself, or uh, you know, getting into NLP, inner child healing, whatever mm-hmm. it may be you feel this urge where you've attained all this knowledge, you've had these experiences, and you want to share these gifts with humanity, right? However, there's also a moment before you really step into that where you kind of doubt yourself. Who am I to do this? Am I qualified? Or I didn't go to college, or I dropped out of college, or, you know, or maybe I'm a doctor, I can't mix the woo-woo stuff with, you know, the science. Like, there's so many (laughs) things that go through people's minds. And, you know, I know this because I've worked with clients of all, you know, spectrums of that. So I'm curious to hear your journey of stepping into coaching and what that was like for you. Um, did, did, you know, the, the doubt come up or you just kind of stepped right into it? Like, what was that like for you stepping into coaching? Oh, yeah, I had so many doubts. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm not going to say that I didn't have anything. I'm not invincible. I was fearful. I have my own limiting beliefs. I suffer with anxiety. So a lot of the times I'm embedding falsified thoughts in my brain and believing them to be true, which are not true. So I had the limiting belief that I'm not smart enough. I had the limiting belief that I'm not good enough. Um, and, you know, I always thought that other people were better than me. And so who was I to educate or guide other individuals if I don't believe that I'm confident enough? And so I had to work mm-hmm. through those limiting beliefs. And those were falsified beliefs that I grew up that were that followed me throughout childhood and that I kind of that were conditioned in my subconscious that I needed to reprogram and kind of release. And so, you know, along my journey, a lot of impatience and resistance feelings came up because and a lot of imposter syndrome. And, you know, I do, I did suffer with perfectionism and that, you know, stemmed from self-sabotage and a lot of fear-based mentality. And I had to work through 
all of that. And I hired my own business coach. And so I've invested in courses. I spent like $15,000 investing in my own personal development, whether it was with coaches, um, with courses, and just with books. And also my own personal learning. Um, in for, for me to have said that I'm this invincible coach that you know, didn't have any fears would be false. I definitely did struggle. And I think that that's admirable in a coach when you can follow their journey and you can learn from somebody who has already been there themselves. Um, mm-hmm. I would also say that my healing journey um, was so transformative and that all stemmed from my trip to Australia. So I would kind of put that into the 15,000 as well. You know, I just, I invested in myself and my personal development and I'm really big on traveling. I do believe that you can learn so much from different cultures and so much from different people from all around the world. So I definitely believe that that getting outside your comfort zone and Mm -hmm. um, really just learning from others and being solo in your journey helped evolve my mindset. I'm an, an educator as well. And I'm always striving to learn. I'm always striving to find new opportunities to understand new information and how I can embed that and how I can digest that and put that into my life. And I think it's so important for you to be coachable. And if you're not coachable, then your mindset is almost like a narrow and never ending road that doesn't lead you to different pathways. You have to be coachable, meaning that you need to be open to new opportunities, willing to invest in yourself and willing to make changes, whether they're going to bring you about failure or not. And that failure that you may come about is not going to be something that sets you back more. So it gives you new opportunities to try something different. And so it's never failure. It's always a lesson. And that's how I always kind of preach. Yeah, I love that. So Something I have seen a few times, especially in the generation that's in their mid to upper 20s, is the perpetual learner. And so as an educator yourself, what advice would you give to that person who is always investing in the next course, always reading books, they're always continuously educating themselves, however, they're never actually stepping into their purpose? And so that can be a trap you can definitely fall into where you're always like, oh, I need to learn the next thing. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. Yet, when you look at their repertoire of education, you know, they may have all of this knowledge under their tool belt, but they're not actually stepping into their purpose, whether it's to become, you know, um, a self-love coach or a purpose coach or whatever their coaching is, doesn't matter. But it's that that kind of like that trap of perfectionism in the sense uh-huh. of like, I don't have all the tools yet. I'm, I haven't arrived yet. I need to keep educating myself. What advice would you give to someone who is kind of in that lens right now? And thank you for that. That's that's awesome. And I think that for you to be able to kind of process that and realize that it is perfectionism is accurate. And it is a coping me- mechanism. Consuming, consuming, consuming coping is a coping mechanism. mechanism. Um, okay. And that's a degree of self-sabotage, which is perfectionism and imposter syndrome. So I would say that some people may not realize that they're doing it unless somebody on the outskirts is kind of giving them or becoming aware of their reality for them. And you might need an outsider's perspective, like a coach or maybe a close friend or a family member to really observe your behavior so that you can figure out whether or not you're creating this lifestyle that's self-sabotaging all of your success and in order for you to kind of get yourself away from that this is something that I learned from Yes Supply that's where I got certified as a coach Um, she always said create over consume so if you're consuming 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 Mm. consuming and you're not creating you know you're doing yourself a disservice because you are not allowing your gifts to be utilized you're creating, you're consuming all this information, you're learning, you're reading, but what are you doing with that information? If you're not taking action and you're not creating anything with it, or you're not, you know, connecting with other individuals, that information is staying solely in your own mind and it's not being transformed or trans transmitted, that's the word, transmitted to others in your reality. You can see that I talk with my hands, so <laughs> I'm moving around a lot. But um, yeah, that that really stuck out to me when I was taking that course, Create Over Consume. And sometimes when I'm creating and 
or sorry, when I'm consuming, that thought comes up into my head. And I'm like, okay, now it's time for me to take a little bit of a break and create something. So you can, you know, do the Pomodoro technique where you do 25 minutes on of reading and then take a break. And then the next 25 minutes that you're on, you're, you're creating. So it's just kind of giving yourself that work-life balance and creating a schedule so that you can figure out, you know, maybe Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays I'm consuming. And then Thursdays and Fridays, for example, I'm creating and that's just something that you need to just work out in your own lifestyle um, and give yourself breaks but that's just a general like you know make-believe schedule that I created up there in my brain but yeah like create over consume I think that's powerful and you have to have some sort of a balance and I think in order for you to get there though I think it's easier said than done it's really just addressing those fear-based mentalities and those fear-based thoughts that really pop into your head of I'm not good enough, I'm never going to be able to do it in all of these scenarios that you create in your brain that creates a procrastination and that creates a self-sabotage. So it's really just, you know, doing that inner work first before showing yourself up, showing yourself into the world. Because, you know, a lot of people that I work with, they suffer with these limiting beliefs and they want to do all these big things. But if they cannot get past their own thoughts, they're not going to do it. And that's plain and simple. Like you're not going to do something that you don't believe that you can do because you haven't built up that confidence. You haven't done the inner work. You haven't gotten to the root cause as to why it is you're feeling that way. And so that's why inner child healing and all of that inner work is so transformational because you have to kind of go through all of those conditioned beliefs that were, you know, embedded as a child and reprogram them so that you know the beliefs that you can do if they're your supported beliefs that you need to embed so mm-hmm. yeah so let's let's talk about that I know that's yeah. kind of like the the core of what you do <laughs> um how did you come to uh I guess fall in love with that work and make that the main thing that you you offer the, the I know we've we've kind of heard this a lot inner child healing mm-hmm. let's start with that what does that even mean for those that I'm sure they have heard of that, but I would love to hear your definition. Yeah. Um, so inner child healing is really just reconnecting to your childlike self when you were a child, those parts of you that were neglected. And so when you think of a child, you think of somebody that's so curious, that's full of wonder, that's full of joy, that's so autonomous, that just is so free to express their world and they have no, no worries that's attached Mm. to them. And so, you know, if you were to just think of yourself as a child, if you were to think of yourself in, in that light, um, maybe your needs weren't met. Maybe you weren't able to experience joy. Maybe you weren't able to experience wonder. Maybe you weren't able to experience true, true life because you had other needs that you needed to met. You had to do other needs that weren't being met. And, um, what I mean by that is, meeting those expectations of your parents versus meeting your own needs. And so if your needs weren't met, you start to deny yourself. And by denying yourself, you deny yourself of the things that you truly want to do. So inner child healing is just really reconnecting to yourself, the childlike self of you that, you know, didn't really get all of those needs met as a child. And I do that through reparenting. And this term was coined by the holistic psychologist. Um, she's just, you know, incredible. And I found her stuff when I was in Australia. And I learned about it. I, you know, really understood the information. And I connected to the information because I thought that this is something that I'm going through right now. I, I need to go through this. I need to consume and understand it. And then once I understood it, I was able to apply it to my life. Everybody needs this. You know, I find, I find that there's so many more people that I'm connecting to now more so than ever. And I realized that we all have our own little traumas, whether they're small or big, that were suppressed. And, um, you know, I'm a huge believer on this because emotionally as a child a lot of my needs weren't met and what I mean by that is that my parents were very dismissive Um, my parents shamed me my parents guilt tripped me for things that I thought I was doing right and you know I was seen as too much as a child and I had to kind of dim my light because I was being too overreactive or I was being too crazy and so I couldn't fully be a child I couldn't fully express my needs and fully express who it is that I was. And so we tend to hide ourselves and 
not really show who we really are because we're fear of we're we're in fear of judgment and we're in fear of being scolded and we're just scared. And so you grow up with this fear and your child right. your inner child and I'm referring to the part of our psyche, which is the part of our subconscious mind that holds all of these fears and all of these um, beliefs that, you know, we're, yeah. that were protect, that had created this, these parts of you that um, protected you as a child so that you didn't have to feel so scared. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, going back to the holistic psychologist, I learned the term reparenting. And part of that is doing inner child healing, reconnecting to yourself, playing, finding joy, creating boundaries. That's something that I didn't have. I didn't know what boundaries were. And when you create those and really just showing yourself love and self-care and learning how to emotionally regulate yourself is important because I found that growing up, I was so highly reactive in situations where I was always yelling or I always I was always um, getting into fights with my family or my friends because I couldn't control my emotions because I had so much anger hidden deep inside and that was due to my inner child not being able to express fully who I was and um, again growing up with generalized anxiety disorder I didn't know I had generalized anxiety disorder until I was about 22 years old and I knew there was something wrong growing up. I had all of these issues and I didn't know why I was feeling this way. And every time I would express it to my family, they're like, oh, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. So dismissing how I really felt. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there was just this, to add to the anxiety. Yeah. And there was, I mean, there was this point of frustration where I felt I burst. I'm like, you don't know how I'm feeling like in my head. This is how I'm feeling. And so I'm a huge, huge advocate for, um, you know, really encouraging my clients to feel what they feel. If you feel angry, feel like feel it, process it and let it out instead of holding it deep inside. And that's something that I did. And that's why I was so emotionally reactive. So I kind of went on a tangent here, but everything's all interconnected. Mm-hmm. And so healing yeah. those wounded parts of yourself as a collective whole gets you to feel aligned and aligned meaning reconnecting to who you really are who mm-hmm. you believe you are, the thoughts that you think, what you feel is right for you. And I just call that like your true authenticity and your higher self, your true self. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why like any type of like disorder or whatever label we want to slap on it, right? You know, I, I get that. However, most of them, if not, I mean, I don't want to say all of them, but most of them, it's just a compound effect of a buildup of Mm -hmm. whatever was dismissed in childhood. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we have to, you know, call it something, but really it's just a, yeah, like you said, it's a buildup and Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, it needs to come out somewhere. And especially if you didn't have an outlet as a child and you have your body, that trauma lives in your body. It's Mm going to, you're going to eventually implode. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you even see that in dating as well. It's like, okay, you're going to take it out on your partner, right? You have to, it has to come out somewhere, whether it's work or in your relationship or your kids. And it's so interesting because then if you do have kids and you didn't do that healing work, guess what? You're just passing it on to another generation. And it's just like, it's so interesting because when I talk to people, especially clients, and they're like, well, I had a great childhood or like nothing traumatic happened. And it's like, actually, those are that's the most challenging uh, scenario because there isn't one big traumatic event. Mm-hmm. There isn't that, you know, there wasn't abuse. There wasn't something severe, but it was the, what you just said, dismissing one's feelings. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. Right. Or, oh, I can't deal with this right now. Or if you're really upset about something and your parent couldn't hold space for you. Yeah. And that just continuously happened your entire childhood. Often I believe now with just the stories I've heard and just looking at things that can be, almost more damaging because it's like you have nowhere to pinpoint it yet you feel this void Mm -hmm. and it's like okay wait a minute I've had conversations with people they're like okay I'm making good money I went to school I should be happy I have all the things yes yet I still feel the void or I can't connect to people what's wrong with me there is no severe trauma in my life like I should be happy and grateful I had great parents so it's almost like there it's like there's, there's even more confusion because there is nothing to pinpoint But then when you dig a little bit deeper, it's like, okay, was your mom able to like hold space for you? It's like, oh, no. Yeah, no, there was no love. There was no affection. Maybe there was love and affection like on holidays, but they were not physically effective or uh, affectionate or whatnot. So it's very, very interesting conversation that I don't think uh, 
people are having enough. So I'm really glad that it's now, there's a whole industry, if you will. There's coaches that specialize in it. And so, yeah, growing up, I never heard of this, you know, and it's great to, to see men even be more open to this. So it's, it's fantastic. Have you worked with any men? I'm curious. Um, no, not yet. I've worked at like a practice on my brother. So, uh, you know, he's a man and it worked on him. And I honestly believe that that's why I, I market to everyone because everyone can go through this. It's not just like I help females, I help individuals and that's how I kind of market. Um, but I definitely believe that both men, women, or whatever you identify with can, um, fully benefit, benefit from this. And, um, I must say like you definitely hit the nail on the head with, you know, saying that, you know, I had great parents, I had a great upbringing, there was no significant trauma that occurred in my life. But it's that void. And that's exactly what I what I was feeling before. And you know, you were seeing it as well. It's that emptiness. It's like, why do I feel so disconnected from myself? And that's because you've done everything that you needed to do. You've, you know, checked off all of the expectations, the job, the school, the house, whatever it is. And when you get there, you have to ask yourself, was this what I wanted or was this what my parents Mm -hmm. wanted? And so I always ask myself that, um, you know, am I truly happy because these are the things that I chose in my life or was I guided to choose this because it's what my parents wanted because maybe they weren't able to achieve that in their life. So they're living through me or my brother or whoever. Right. And they created you. So it's almost like, am I like just like a little possession? (laughs) Exactly. And um, yeah, and just, yeah, inner child healing is, and reparenting is so transformational because you're going back to the root cause of what it is that you feel that you didn't receive as a child. And like you said, there might not be one specific um, situation or scenario that would have been traumatic in your life. And Mm -hmm. you may not have had, maybe it wasn't abuse, maybe it, Maybe you didn't have, um, you know, sexual abuse. Any so any it didn't have to be anything. But the emotional side of not having your needs met is huge because it compounds over time. You know, if you're being mm-hmm. dismissed all the time, if you're not receiving that validation from your father or from your mother, um, and you're only receiving it when you achieve or when when you do something. So, for example, you only receive love when you. Um, when you got good grades, for example, then conditional love, right? Conditional love, conditional Mm -hmm. love, you would only, you know, you would try to please your parents more. And then you start bringing up with all of these people pleasing mentalities. So it's a cycle. And it's something that psychologically, it really, really dampers on who it is that you are as a person. So you have to go back and just, you know, do that inner work and peel back those layers that you thought were you when really they were conditioned from everyone else in your life. And so it's, it's, it's revelational. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about hypnotherapy and reprogramming Mm -hmm. the subconscious mind. Uh, How does that work? Yeah. So um, hypnotherapy is a tool that I use to speak to the subconscious part of your mind and through hypnotherapy, I'm able to suggest positive statements. And through the interview with me, I ask you questions. And I'm really just embedding information that you're sharing with me. And I'm embedding it back into your subconscious. So things that you're expecting out in your life, for example, I want to be more confident in social situations, I want to wake up early in the morning. And while through while I'm interviewing you, and I'm asking you, you know, what you kind of want out of your life we can do identity hypnotherapy future self hypnotherapy smoking Mm -hmm. cessation weight loss anxiety for focus there's a lot of different um, aspects that hypnotherapy kind of targets and in that session I'm bypassing the conscious mind right now we're talking consciously and so you can either negate anything I'm saying or saying okay I'm not listening to that right now but when I bypass the conscious mind I need to get into the into the subconscious mind where all of your beliefs your programs, your thoughts, and values are stored. And in order for your subconscious mind to fully accept those um, statements and those suggestions as true, the conscious mind needs to be relaxed. So through the progressive relaxation script, um, I'm, you know, relaxing your body, you're fully in control, you're fully aware, you are probably going to remember everything that I say, 
you want you won't fall asleep it's not like i know a lot of people think that hypnotherapy is um like like yeah stage hypnotherapy or like all that voodoo stuff but it's not um you essentially go into hypnotherapy into the deep um, theta trance-like brainwave states many times throughout your day when you're driving when you're listening to music when you're meditating that's huge when you're meditating you're in the same um theta brainwave states as if you were in hypnotherapy in, in a session and so it's essentially just you being super relaxed you're in you're in a trance-like state and i'm speaking directly to your subconscious mind and i'm embedding um positive suggestions and the results they really vary because in order for you to be really suggestible suggestible you have to want to change and you have to you have to want to see yourself as capable you have to know that you're capable of changing so it's me as your guide but on the other hand you are in charge of your results and like anything you are the driver in your life you make those choices and you need to kind of allow yourself to see yourself as a capable person who can change and um you know results can take as long as overnight or it can take as long as six weeks the subconscious mind needs to kind of process all of that information and see it to believe to be true but it's truly transformational. I think that a lot of people um, really undermine hypnotherapy. They don't fully understand what it is, but that's where all all change occurs at the subconscious level of the mind, because that's where all of our beliefs that were programmed in childhood are stored. Like I said, your mm-hmm. your psyche, which is you know your subconscious mind, all of those things that you believe that you can or cannot do. I'm not worthy. I'm not capable. I'm not smart enough. All of those can be shifted. Right. And those are, those are those thoughts that are just running in your background and they've been compounded over time. So in hypnotherapy, Mm -hmm. we're really just installing new habits. So new beliefs and new behaviors that you want to come out of your life and you want in your life. So yeah, it's, I love it. It's amazing. (laughs) That is amazing. And something you said just really stood out to me. You said, I am the guide, but your results are up to you. Mm -hmm. So that's powerful. To me, that's like the definition of a coach, you know? (laughs) So I think that's, yeah, I don't know if you realize that you just said that, but I think that's incredibly powerful because sometimes we believe that we invest in a coach and it's just, it's a guarantee of results, but it's really, that's still up to you. You have to be willing to be coachable and to show up and to do the work. So I think that's very powerful. Exactly. Um, What is your, what is your definition? Um, of a good coach. I would love to hear that. So yeah. I know what a coach is, but what is a definition of a of a good coach in your opinion? Okay, thank you for that. I think that coaches, especially mm-hmm. individuals that have actually gone through experiences themselves, I find that okay. if I'm going to invest in a coach, they need to be trustworthy. They need to be open. They need to be energetically compatible with you because, um, you know, We've all gone to a restaurant, for example, and you go and ask the server, you know, what it is that you want, and they could be dismissive. Okay, that's all you want? Sure, that's great. Okay, you want a Coke, you want a salad, that's nice. But if you can't communicate with them, if you can't have a good conversation, a flowing, energetic conversation with them, where they're holding space for you, that's huge. So, you know, you go to the restaurant and you ask your server, hey, how are you? And they're like, oh, my goodness, I'm so happy you're here. Someone that can hold space for you, someone that's excited for you, someone that's going to cheer you on in your growth and being there every step of your way, every step of the way in your success. So energetically, I think you need to be able to vibe with your coach, your vibe queen. I think you understand that (laughs) as well. And I'm like really big on energetics. So that being able to ha- having your coach being able to hold space for you where you can just fully unpack all of your trauma and they're there to support you not judge you right they're there to support you and guide you and you know if you need to cry in your session let it out this is a free and um you know gentle safe space where you can just let out and unpack all of your emotions and so really just holding space feeling energetically comfortable and you know being able to be open and honest. And I think those are like huge qualities that a coach should have. Plus looking at their background, like what is their track record? You know, what did they kind of come through? And I think having their, that personal journey for me 
you know, I invest in a coach that has actually gone through the transformation themselves versus all of the credentials. You know, you could have all of the all of the awards and all of these certificates, but right. did you actually go through the trauma and through the transformation? Because in that, it might be difficult for you to connect with me because you don't know where I'm coming from. So I think that that's um, that's important to look for in a coach, and then also yeah. you know somebody that you can have fun with. You don't want somebody that's you know just really cold and not fun and always serious you want to have fun like there's going to be times when you just want to go to your session and you might want to dance or you just I don't know there's like something happy that's exciting that's happening in your life and you want to be able to share that with your coach so mm -hmm. I love all the that. energy vibes <laughs> yes yes and it just you just sparked a More. Uh, <laughs> kind of like an aha because Sometimes when you're new in coaching and you're new in your business, you know, uh, there's this sense of like, oh, I don't have the awards or I don't have the testimonials yeah. or I don't have the the proof of concept even. It's like, how do I even get my first client if I've never done this? And so what you just said is gold, mm -hmm. your own transformation. What have you gone through? What, uh, you know, what, what, where did you start and where are you now? You are your own best story. You are your own best testimonial. And so while you're consuming, create the content that shows your transformation. And so even if you're listening to this right now, you're thinking about stepping into coaching or you just started coaching and you're, 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 you're dealing or struggling with that doubt, share your own transformation. And I think that's so authentic. And if people can see where you started and where you are today, that's going to be huge. And people can see that you, just like you said, they can understand where, um, you're coming from because you've actually done the work. And I think that will definitely uh, beat out any award or, you know, uh, degree because you're speaking that person's language. You have gone through that divorce or that struggle or whoever your target audience is because you've gone through it and you're able to solve that problem for yourself. So thank you for sharing that because I think that's so important. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I love that. And doing the work is it's part of the journey and it's exciting. And, you know, part of healing as well, I'll just say one more thing is sharing your story. And, you know, when you're communicating and expressing all of the things that you went through, you almost have like this weight lifted off your shoulder. You're like, ah, I finally just told somebody it's not in my brain yeah. anymore. I'm not holding it. I'm not holding on to something that I'm too scared to share with people because now I have a safe space and I can connect with somebody and they can, hold space for me to just unload all of this baggage that I've been too scared to share. And maybe you're not, you know, close with your siblings. Maybe you don't have siblings. Maybe you're not close with your parents. You don't have anybody in your, you know, close reality or external environment that you feel comfortable enough to share it with because maybe you're scared that they're going to judge you. And so that's what's so important about hiring a coach and supporting and, and having that educator or somebody around you, a therapist, whoever you feel that you need at that time to help support you in your journey. And those individuals are there to help you grow and hold space for you so that you can unpack the load that you've been holding on to. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. So sharing your story, unpacking the load, it is not all yours to carry. Mm -hmm. And guess what? When people hear your story, they see a part of themselves in you. And think about this, you know, because this episode, season two, if you haven't noticed, is all about inspiring people to step into their power, step into their coaching practice. So if you're wanting to get into coaching, you know, this is this is the sign right now. Do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if you if you share your story and you share that baggage, you know, you are you are in essence inspiring someone else who is listening to that story to say, oh, they were able to transform. I can do it too, right? We are so alike. We are more alike than we are not. Mm -hmm. And I think often we think we are alone in this path or, oh my God, all this you know, stuff has happened to me. All this trauma has happened to me. More than likely, there's someone out there in the world who has gone through something very similar. So when you share that, not only does it lift that burden off from you, you're also kind of helping humanity because then it inspires someone else to also heal. And when you heal and someone else heals and then, you know, families are created, that's the next generation of just healing. And I think that is how we can really um, effectively have a beautiful future of just a uh, healed 
world because it all starts with you first. So I love that. So thank you for sharing all of that. It's just amazing. So as we we close out this episode, um, I just want to definitely highlight what you do. I love the, I love the dancing moves for those watching on YouTube. <laughs> You have such good energy. I love it. So I want to I want to highlight what you do. Um, before I highlight what you do, though, uh, I always ask this question because just it's so important. What are your words of wisdom to anyone listening? Uh, what are some words that have just helped you on your path that you want to just pass down? Yeah. Yeah. And so Go I always it. say lead life with love and gratitude and the rest will follow. And something that I always share in my business and I just like preach to the world is you are the abundant energy that flows into your next path. That's something that you take with. It's just, it's powerful. And you just, it's it's all you, baby. Like you are the one that's going to make the change. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Okay. So if you've been listening to this and you're like, yes, I love it. I'm ready to heal my inner child. I'm ready to get to the next level. I want to work with Danielle. She has a 12-week coaching program called Align Your Life. She has a current promotion, so definitely reach out to her. She also offers single hypnotherapy session, but I know after one session, I'm sure you're going to want to do more. So she has bundle packages as well. She also has a quick release for a session bundle, and she has monthly programs. So she has a lot of good stuff. So definitely reach out to her. You can follow her at Your Next Path. Again, that's at Your Next Path on Instagram. And uh, just in case I've missed anything, uh, have I missed anything or is that it? No, they can just send me a DM. I'm free to respond. I'm open to that. I'm like, send me a DM, guys. I'm I'm loving it. I'm going to start dancing too. I love it. it. Don't be shy. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Awesome, Danielle. I'm so glad that we connected. I really appreciate you. And uh, yeah, thank you all for very, thank you all very much for listening. And until next time. Thank you so much for having me. I had an amazing time and I want to leave off with one quote. Live life for for each moment because all we really have in life is moments of consciousness. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're a coach or a spiritual entrepreneur of any kind and you've been considering starting your own podcast, but you're a little overwhelmed, you don't know where to start, I need your help. I've actually been considering putting together an online course along with an accountability factor so you're able to step-by-step know exactly how to launch your own podcast. So if that's something you're interested in, please check the show notes. There's a link there which breaks down exactly what would be included. And so if I get enough interest, I'm definitely excited to put this together. So please let me know. Let me know if this is something you'd want to be a part of. Uh, Sending you so much love and until next time.